You're a musician, aren't you, Dave? Yes, I am. What instrument do you play? Drums. Well, uh, we'll count that. When you love a show on WPSC Brave New Radio at 8 p.m. on Wednesdays, that would answer all your questions about how the music business works. Sort of like a Music Biz 101. Exactly. Wait, isn't there a show on at that time called Music Biz 101 and More that brings faculty and students from WP's music and entertainment management programs together with industry guests that take call-in questions and tweets from listeners about the biz? Yep. It's had all last spring, and it's starting up again every Wednesday at 8 p.m. right here on 88.7 WPSC. Yes! There were great guests like Steve Lees from Sirius Radio and Aaron Van Dyne, who handles business affairs for KISS, Three Doors Down, Dave Matthews Band, and more. Also, Carl Guthrie, legendary entertainment attorney, and Paul Sinclair, VP of Digital for Atlantic Records. So, Steve, who's lined up for this semester? We have Dave Laurie, who will talk about tour management, Sean Rosenberg, a social media guru, and Sean and Rachel from Blue Raven Entertainment, just to name a few. Wow, sounds great. And it's free! That's right. Free advice every Wednesday night at 8 p.m. live at Music Biz 101 and more on WPSC 88.7 Brave New Radio. And then there's more. You are listening to Music Biz 101 and more on WPSC Brave New Radio 88.7. I am Professor David Kirk Philp here with the illustrious, perfect, and quite awesome Dr. Esteban. We let him fry himself just then. (laughs) That's right. We didn't jump in on his singing. Yes, I am here. Yes, it's good to have. for another week. And this is a special week, isn't it? Because this is the end to the... And to the Music Biz theme song contest. That's right. Tonight at midnight. <laughs> Tonight at midnight. Actually, technically, it would be 11.59 and 59 You're seconds right. p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we Time. have some good entries, don't we? We have some very good entries, and we're probably going to play one or two of them next week mm-hmm. when we start sorting through the volume that we received. Right. Um, we're so, playing... I'm sorry. So, I want to thank everyone for entering yeah, and, and submitting their material. And we're going to hear the uh, contest tr- uh, promo one more time a little bit later on mm-hmm. because you do still have uh, about four hours left to do this because it's... Procrastinators uh, for the procrastinators. And there are those out there. Right. And um, we should... Start with uh, the fact that this is the only free advice college radio, music, and entertainment biz talk show and podcast in todas las Americas. Mm-hmm. And sí. we're, yes, sí, señor. Uh, we started with Find the Cost of Freedom. There's a reason for that because they are on Atlantic Records. Of course, that was Crosby, Stills, Nash. Not Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Just Crosby, Stills, and Nash, correct? Yes. CSN. And the song Find the Cost of Freedom because a lot of what we're going to be talking about today is the main topic this week, which is Taylor Swift and Big Machine pulling her catalog off of Spotify. Mm -hmm. There's a metaphor and analogy in there. She wants her her freedom from streaming. So we're going to talk a lot about that with our very special guest, who is our expert in residence here at William Patterson University. His name is Mr. Paul Sinclair. Hello, everyone. Paul Sinclair, at Sinclair, at Sinclair. Hey. Hey, good to have you, Paul. Hi. Paul's second time on Music Biz 101. Yes, he's Thanks the for only repeat back. guest that we've ever had. Wow. But the, wow. Oh, he's actually oh. our third repeat guest. When you talk Blue Raven Entertainment and Dr. Oh, Rob well, Quick. But they don't count because they're not a, at Spinclair. They're not yes. as cool. It was yeah. also the end well, of the semester, just, and I think I was talking to just you. 
Well, it could <laughs> be. We don't <laughs> know. We us. never know how many people right. are listening, actually. I but I do know that President Waldron did listen a few weeks ago because she informed me that she uh-huh. heard us on the radio. Which is great. So the president of William Patterson University is listening. And if she's listening right now, President Waldron, please give a phone call or a text to 973. Or if you have that jingle in your head, you have until 11.59. And 59 seconds. That's right, to submit for our theme song contest. We are taking phone calls and texts today with your questions for at Paulson, sorry, at Spinclair, which is on on Twitter. But Paul is the uh, head of digital and e-commerce and more for uh, Atlantic Records. Correct. And he's a very smart fella. Um, allegedly, allegedly, we will prove allegedly. that tonight. I'm definitely the head of digital at Atlantic, <laughs> right. the but the intelligence right. is, is right. alleged at this right. point. So right. we will figure that part out. Right. So the phone number, the text number nine seven three seven two zero. 2738. You can tweet us, and we have many tweets already, at musicbiz101wp.com. At any point in time, you can reach us on the web or at musicbiz101wp.com. We're also, you will hear this this uh, podcast on stitcher.com in a few weeks. We and just put, yes. who do we have coming up? We have coming up, we have Al Cohen, who is the AC in ACM Records, and he's our guest next week. Mm-hmm. After that, we have Chris Butler, bass player, songwriter, lead dude for The Waitresses, mm-hmm. and he was part of the Akron Sound of Ohio in the huh. late 1970s. Yes. Out of that came The Pretenders and Devo and The Waitresses and some other sort of uh, bands that were signed and never really mm-hmm. happened. From Terry Hart, so, oh. Indiana, too, I think. That was a... I think that sound meant the whole that whole Midwest area at the time with the indie bands. Right, and it's interesting because I never knew there was an Akron sound until mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started conversing with Chris Butler, who connected us to him via former guest Ron Beanstalk, who was on two weeks ago, mm-hmm. entertainment attorney, who's been very awesome to us so far. So that's Chris, and then after that, Jim Nellia, who is the personnel manager for the New Jersey Symphony. He's also our producer, who we have not mentioned, our producer's father, and our producer is Philip Gorachowski! So good. Philip is here. Meanwhile, nobody has mentioned the very intelligent, the very awesome MBA in training <laughs> music management here at William Patterson University. Our student co-host for the night, her name is Carrie Keller. Carrie Keller. Hello. Thank you for all those compliments. Yes, very MBA candidate. What did I say? MBA no, training. Right. What you yeah, said, yeah. that was fine. This is part of her her internship. This is like her fifth or sixth time here as student co-host. Boy, maybe. I she's... was just telling Phil I'm going to move in. Yeah, and after in she this, after she graduated, you might your job might be in jeopardy. I'm I'm convinced that Dr. Marconi is her agent. He's <laughs> always right. talking about how amazing she is. Always. Ah. Maybe I should start paying you more. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So we should. Uh, so that's 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 all the main stuff. Uh, start giving us your questions. We're going to be reading your tweets very soon. We also should just give a quick shout out to somebody who went the extra mile tonight to do a little networking with Paul Sinclair and also check out in person what we're all about here with the radio show. His name is Ryan Sinisi. You can't hear, her, but he's sitting in with us. Hello, Ryan. I bring that up because we had another student. Ryan, you're a music. What your pop major? Um, Ryan is a pop major here at William Patterson University. We had a business major who is a music management minor, I believe, Joey Stefan, come mm-hmm. and sit in two weeks in a row. Last time he sat in was about a month ago. And he sat in. We had Steve Corbin, mm-hmm. who's from yes. WIA, who yes. you know, Paul. Yes. Mm-hmm. And Steve Corbin came in 
Joey introduced himself, shook hands, they exchanged cards, all that kind of stuff. Just today, Joey came up to me, put out his hand, shake my hand. I go, why? I just got an internship with Steve Corbin at Wheel. Oh, nice. Fantastic. No kidding. So, nice. it, so it works out. So uh, mm-hmm. when we're trying to do this extra thing, he would not have got it, I'm sure, if he hadn't come in and gone that extra yard to get Fantastic. it. So that's if you want it, go for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Steve Corbin told me he had a wonderful time here. Yes, he really did. He He enjoyed himself. And you know who Steve Corbin was extremely impressed with? He was incredibly impressed, not mildly, incredibly impressed with Dr. Stephen Marconi. Well, thank you very much. It's easy to be impressed by Dr. Marconi. He had my pizza? (laughs) No. (laughs) <laughs> he he, but he he was he, twice. He's written to me about. I want to interview Steve Marconi yeah, on the to, air. Wow. I say interview me. I know. Would, I don't know how ratings would be for that show, but uh, you know, it's still nice that he would. Yes. Care about you enough. So I think we should just jump right in. Well, <clears throat> yes, I think it's a good idea. Excuse me, uh, Paul. Why don't you just? Uh, I think in maybe thirty words or less, tell the listeners who maybe not have heard you when you were here last spring. How you got into this business and how you got to where you are. We're counting. Okay, 30 words or less, yeah. which is not a tweet. It's something else. That's um, right. So I started out uh, out of college in uh, software and um, did that for a few years and then moved on to a startup and worked in web consulting for about a year. And then that imploded because the entire internet almost imploded. And I needed a job so I could pay my rent. And landed at Warner Music Group because I thought it would be fun for a little while until I got into another startup and decided that it was the greatest thing in the history of the world. <laughs> um, and as a digital person, I happened to join about nine months after Napster hit. Um, so I joined at the perfect moment for a digital guy and the perf- the worst moment for apparently everyone else. <laughs> um, so I've been there through everything from Napster to um, all of the everything that was left in its wake, the mobile ups and downs and the digital ups and downs and now the streaming ups and downs and everything that will come from there. Mm-hmm. So that's how I got my start. Great. So now we are at today, this it, week anyway. That was pretty good. Quite it was good. like very 30 good. seconds, more Fine. than 30. Yeah, yeah, you did a very good. good job. So far, Paul Sinclair <laughs> is living up to the billing so far. So are you impressed with Taylor Swift's numbers? Uh, I think doing a 1.28 million records, albums, whatever, in a in a week is incredible in 2014, considering the the next album behind that is like a million shy. Right. Um, so I think that's incredible. So I'm and, impressed with that. Okay. And if you yeah. had a crystal ball, what would you say next week's numbers would be? Hmm. hmm. Hmm, I don't know. I they'll, they'll clearly be down because everything goes down um, they, except for going, Frozen, right? right? If history proves uh, itself, right? It's been they will go down dramatically. Dramatically. Um, I think that they'll probably not be. They're not going to be fifty thousand. She'll. She has loads of fans, so mm-hmm. they'll still come. Um, hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Interesting. Don't, the the mic, What do you think? The mic, I think it's going to be. I would say it would be a million two. I think maybe next. Week it'll be about two hundred thousand. Well, still will be great hmm. for today's day. Anyway. That's that's a huge drop. I don't know sure. if they'll drop that much now because uh, I think I think Taylor Swift fans are still going to turn out. I don't think everyone has the record. I think four or five hundred. Four or five hundred. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I we would go t- around yeah. there. We will, somewhere. We will check yeah. based on the way see. things drop. I would I would guess that she'll hold up better than the average bear. Okay. That's great. It's a Yogi Bear reference. Well, our, 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 our first reference for, for yeah. people under 40. Yeah. Well, she was projecting around 6 
uh, six hundred thousand was a projection. Mm-hmm. She doubled that. It was one point two million. Right. So I think she'll meet the projection her second week. About five hundred thousand. I think she, is oh. is realistic. Okay, so we'll see everybody next week. Theme song, please. No, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm actually, actually going to have to call in or something next week to yeah, check on this <laughs> calculation. Because so, what, what is your number? I'm sorry, because I'm actually writing this I'm down. Gonna, I'm going to go with. Um, so let me do some quick math. I'm going to go with uh, three fifty. Three fifty, which is actually probably low, but I'm going to go with three fifty. Okay. Two hundred. You have mine, right? Yes. Okay. And Philip and uh, Carrie have. And what is Las Vegas saying? What are they saying in Vegas? Uh, What's Las the Vegas says well, definitely a fifty percent drop. So. Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm in the four. I'm saying four hundred, but nobody. Cares Team Philip and Carrie. All right. So, you're, so your price money. is writing me here, and I'm going <laughs> to lose because you get to go last and you get to just <laughs> edge right. out my number. Right. So Lepsis made a comment that she's just basically a promo whore, mm-hmm. and there's no substance to this. Spotify stand that she's making. Mm-hmm. You agree, or do you think mm-hmm. there's some merit behind it? Um, okay, so let's pick that apart. Um, so I, I skim the left sets thing. I don't read Bob that deeply because mm-hmm. he contradicts himself every other week. Sure. Um, but so there's a couple things in there. One is that he's suggesting that she's a um, that she the the anti-free thing is not real, right? Correct. Um, so let's just talk about that. I think that she um, probably believes that to some degree. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure that that's what's driving the whole decision. I think a lot of the decision is about holding up, in my experience, based on dealing with other artists who have not wanted to be on streaming, right? Which mm-hmm. we've had others in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it comes down to either a desire to maximize the, the downloads and, and CD sales mm-hmm. or... A desire to uh, a fear of those things going too low by allowing free, right? Mm-hmm. And clearly, mm-hmm. she's got young fans, so they were going to stream. Um, so I think part of it is probably I probably I believe Taylor. I don't. I'm not a Taylor hater. Mm-hmm. I think if she said that, she probably believes it to some degree. Well, I also think she's trying to maximize sales. To to uh, a reference for the fans, mm-hmm. uh, she said that she felt there would that artists. Music or artists' contributions should be should have some value to it. Mm-hmm. That's what that's what you meant by saying f- the free thing. Yes, uh, for those that are listening, um, I believe that. I mean, I believe that she believes that. Yes. Could there be some? Let's say Taylor. Well, and- so here, here, let me let me tell you why I think there's this other thing to it beyond just my experience with other artists. Mm-hmm. Because she also took down at least on Spotify, which I guess we'll talk about why this is a Spotify thing. She also took down her catalog, and that would suggest to me that there's a sales thing going on here too. Exactly, because we you know, right, the, a great big beautiful album that that does really well is going to lift up the other things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, clearly, I'm sure because she's a thoughtful person, I presume thought through the fact that she was going to be removing that from the catalogs of a bunch of people who already had added to their playlist and a bunch of other stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think there's probably a belief that she was, by pulling it all down, she could stand by the message and see an uplift all over the place. I heard she left one, one song, song on. That's what I thought, I don't know too. what the I song think. is, but I heard she left one song It's probably on. the single, It's right because it's also on YouTube and everywhere mm-hmm. else. I presume that there was also some thought around um, the single is on YouTube, therefore... I need to leave it other places. Right. Um, I'm surprised that Spotify, that right, the streaming services would just keep the single up. Interestingly, I got I'm I have the Starbucks app, and last week, uh, one of the 
every week if you have the Starbucks app on your phone, yep. they yep. give you a free song. Yeah. And I got a Taylor I Swift too. free single mm-hmm. last week that I could, da- which I did not download. But if you wanted, you could download mm-hmm. a Star. Uh, was it a um, was it a like a B side or was it an album track? Do you know? Do you know? I, I don't know what I can tell you in a minute what the track. Well, also was, um, the Microsoft app was selling the entire album 1989 for 99 cents this week. That app called, it escapes me now, but it's mm-hmm. a download app uh, that Microsoft owns. And but, I read that, uh, that was reported in Billboard. So uh, I, didn't I didn't see that, but my guess is, like the Amazon killer deals, the two ninety nine deals, they're paying full Up rate for minute. that, and they're yeah. just eating the cost as a marketing Right. Thing, Google right? Play has done the same yeah, thing. Yeah. You got yeah. the upfront yeah. Amazon money. does it all the time. So could there be a movement started, let's say, Taylor Swift, One Direction, um, Five Seconds to, you know, some of the big sellers uh, that are really selling now. Not, we just don't know what Lord is going to continue to do and things yeah. like that. But these big sellers, they all got together. Mm-hmm. And decided that they were not going to allow the music to be streamed. Mm-hmm. Could we have a movement that the record companies would love and the labels would love because they would go back to instead of fraction of pennies, they would go back to pennies. So for the first half of my time at Warner Music Group, every time I talked to a group like this or on a panel or a group of kids or something, all the feedback I got was that the labels are done and left sets. Mm-hmm. The labels are dinosaurs. They're holding back the future. Streaming is the future. They're whole, keeping Spotify from getting to the U.S. All the you know all the things mm-hmm. about the labels mm-hmm. are dinosaurs. Mm-hmm. Um, we now have streaming, and now we're talking about whether we should actually be abandoning and going back to a thing that's clearly going down in every exactly. by every metric. Yes. So it seems to me like when we t- when we say that the labels would love, I think if you polled. People at the labels that you should poll, and not a bunch, you know, uh, people that have their heads in the sand, mm-hmm. they would all say, "Consumers want streaming. They want, or they want that. So, mm-hmm. like, we're going to fight that. We're going to take all the biggest artists and take them off of the services that consumers are actually asking for." History has shown that that's not been a great move to mm-hmm. fight against it, and we have some level of, for whatever good research is, right? We have research that says that if things aren't available. Taylor Swift is an exception because she's a very unique artist. Mm-hmm. If things aren't available, people will find a get way to get it in the way they want it. They will not go out and buy it in the store at a Target or whatever, mm-hmm. right? Taylor Swift, Beyonce, Jay-Z, and a handful of other artists on the planet withstanding, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I, my belief, and I, I, I firmly believe this, is that if we go try to claw our way backwards in time, we're just going to end up with rampant, even more rampant piracy again, right? And frankly, it's even easier to steal music than it ever was, right? Because mm-hmm. now we do have YouTube and all these other places sure. where all the music yeah. in the world is. That's so right. if we, and I agree with your line of thinking, mm-hmm. then if that is so, then is Taylor Swift any more than that publicity hound mm-hmm. that lefts us? Mm-hmm. Calls her, or, or, or she just, or I just disagree with her opinion, right? I yes. do, I do disagree with her. I, so here's my my belief is that, um, and this is my belief, and I'm putting my philo- philosophical beliefs on Taylor, which clearly I don't have a right to do. Mm-hmm. I believe that big artists 
owe it to up-and-coming artists to build the future of the music industry because we're in a very funky spot. Mm -hmm. And Taylor is not holding up that end of the bargain. And I think that artists who hold back from that are being short-sighted about all those who came before them and, and all those are going to come back beyond that. That's what I think. And we, we've had artists on Atlantic that have held back, and I don't agree with them either. I mm-hmm. understand why they do it. We have thoughtful conversations around it. Most of them, right, Coldplay held back from streaming for a few months, Correct. and then they jumped in a few months later. I understand windowing. Um, I think windowing is hurtful too, but clearly mm-hmm. windowing is less harmful than not being mm-hmm. on at all. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Well, so, so just... I'm not going to call her publicity whore because that's just left sets being left sets trying to stir the pot. <laughs> well, but I do, I do think she believes what she's saying. I just yeah. don't agree with her. Um, I mean, this isn't really any different than you know the, the holding back that um, Bruce did in the '80s with video mm-hmm. and other artists that they would just wouldn't do anything on video and they wouldn't put out videos. Yep. They didn't believe in video. I mean, it's 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 a very cyclical business and yep. it's. It might have a different hat, mm-hmm. but it's basically the same thing that constantly, yeah. you can almost count on it occurring. You just don't know when it's going to occur. Interestingly, with a guy like Springsteen, sorry to interrupt, oh. but when you talk about how the, his thinking since the 80s is shifted 100, done a complete yeah, sure. 180, because Springsteen, if you go to Spotify or YouTube, everything is there. Yeah. Every every concert he's ever done, I've, every every song every live thing it's all there and mm-hmm. it's all on his channel and there he's got playlists he's yeah. got spotify playlists that he's curating and his people yep. are doing i would assume john lando just beat him up so much that he john or, Landau or, or over time he saw the upside of yeah. it right like you're looking at a thing and you're saying this i don't believe in this thing i don't get it and then eventually you get it mm-hmm. and you say oh this thing is great i actually mm-hmm. see how this will benefit my career right okay so so, what? so one, one thing i was going to say was um we uh I lost my train of thought. I'll come back. Okay. It was brilliant. So what? <laughs> it was the one so, smart thing I was going to say. So let's, thing. off of um, Taylor and, Spot- and Spotify, because I'm sure we'll get back on it, um, what excites you at Atlantic right now? What What are you um, hmm. pretty excited about? Hmm. So one of the things that I talked to your students about a few weeks ago that is totally nerdy, that really excites me, is data, right? Mm-hmm. So... Um, we're at the very, very beginning of having some understanding of all how all that, right? So we finally have a place where we have all the Shazam data and all the iTunes data and all the Spotify data and all the touring data and consumer uh, reactions to advertising. We have all this data and we're sticking it in one warehouse now. And we're just beginning to get to the tip of the iceberg of like, what does that tell us? Whether it's from an A&R perspective, right, for a second single or a third single, mm-hmm. um, or whether it's, um, uh, you know, is, is hey, we're uh, from an A&R perspective in signing artists, or whether it's, hey, we have a new artist, we sign them, we're working a couple of songs, they're not, let's not call them singles, they're just, just a new artist making some music, um, what's the fan reaction to it um, in Three little tiny cities in the Midwest, Akron, mm-hmm. Ohio. Mm-hmm. Um, so the data thing excites me a lot because it's something that the music industry is not known for, right? Exactly. Um, and I just thought of what I was going to say before. Um, we're not known for using, outside of radio data and sales data, we're not known for um, taking tons of um, discrete points and using it to make ourselves smarter, right? Mm-hmm. We've always mm-hmm. been a creative, sexy marketing thing plus the AR side we've never been uh um pretend we're a tech company yeah um which we're not right, right. 
Um, so I think we're at the beginning of that. I don't have the answer to like what are the magic points, but it's one of the things that excites me the most. It sounds like you're going to need more MBA graduates uh-huh, in this uh-huh, business uh-huh. because there are very few. I mean, it's an interesting business where there are most most are attorneys that run the companies, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and then there are people with bachelors. Yeah, and there's very few in between that went on for a second degree or or so on, and maybe that could be one of the reasons why it wasn't data-driven right. business because people looked at it and said, I, I, I don't what is that? Well, I think the other thing is we all know that when you have lots of giant hits, it sort of hides lots mm-hmm. of other things, of right? And so when you don't have as many hits or those hits don't produce a 1.3 million album sold in the first week, mm-hmm. then, you you know, everyone has to dig in harder. And that's true in every company, every business in America, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Carrie and I were just it. talking about we were. We were right, just this talking before about then. It. So talk yep. a little bit about... So right now I'm interning at Live Nation with their event marketing team. And um, I'm working a lot with their coordinator who does a lot of the digital spends. So what I'm working on for him is basically looking at our recaps of our ads and calculating, you know, cost per click and, you know, the number of impressions that we're getting. And we're trying to figure out, you know, is the money that we're putting in these different outlets being well spent? Can we put it elsewhere? How are these, you know, campaigns, I guess, actually going and it's interesting and i think so there it kind of sounds like we're in the same boat as you guys are now we're just trying to figure out we have all this data mm-hmm. how can we actually use it now mm-hmm. it's cool mm-hmm. yeah great yeah so you were going to say before you forget again right so <laughs> when we were talking about subscription and the clawing back in time and getting back to 1983 or something um i was thinking that so i i was having a conversation yesterday with someone around how we're different than the someone said netflix but the tv and filming industries right and the thing that makes the music industry challenge one of the many things right are one is rights the complicated rights that we have that other people other mm-hmm. industries don't have but the other is our industry is made up of hundreds of thousands of people with opinions like Taylor, right? And therefore, there's not one way to do it because there can't be because there's hundreds of thousands of artists Mm -hmm. and thousands of big artists and they all have opinions and to to whatever degree they're, you know, they have a relationship with their label and Live Nation and everything else, Mm -hmm. they get to express that opinion. And therefore, unlike film, where they make a film, own the film, put the film out, they do whatever they want with it. It means that subscription is therefore always going to have this rub because there are going to be artists that have an opinion, like your Bruce Springsteen example, mm-hmm. where it will take some a minute, some will get it instantly, some will get it next year, some will get it five years from now, and some will get it in 2026. Yeah, it's, it's, just a, a, it's a very different ecosystem yeah, than, the, than the others. It becomes uh, much more complicated. Yeah. In that sense, because you're right, artists want to have do have opinions, and yeah. executives want them to to feel as if they're important and getting yeah. you know getting their uh, say out and so on and so forth. And it's also what makes an artist great, right? Artists without opinions aren't artists; yeah. they're singers. Sure, sure. Mm-hmm. There were artists who liked Napster. 
Yeah, sure. Well. You know, and there are and artists today who, who yeah. still like peer to peer, right? There are artists doing be... BitTorrent bundles and all kinds of things. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I think uh, we're about we're about to take a break, but after when we come back, what we're going to talk about a couple things are. Uh, an artist like you were referring to somebody like um, Tom York of Radiohead, who is very pro BitTorrent, very anti Spotify, but very pro YouTube. So we're going to get into that. There are a number of other things we're going to get into, especially your tweets, your phone calls, your texts. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave New Radio 88.7. When we come back, more of Paul Sinclair of Atlantic Records. How can I make money in the music business? Why copyright? Should I make a CD anymore? Trying to break into the music and entertainment biz? Wondering how the business works? Wondering how guys like Elton John and MC Hammer go bankrupt? Why am I not making any cash? Tune in to WP Brave New Radio every Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. Hang with the University's Music Business Faculty hosts, me, Steve Marconi. And me, Dave Phil. Plus, we'll have industry guests and students from the Music Management Program. How do I get gigs down at the shore? Call in with your questions and hear the latest in industry happenings. How do I get my music on iTunes? How do I get on a tour? It's Music Biz 101 and more every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Only on WP Brave New Radio. Your secretary's got our checks, right? Mine's direct deposit, I think. (laughs) You're listening. You're listening. You're listening. You're listening to Music Biz 101 and more. That's right. I called Paul Sinclair to ask about Taylor Swift. So can we he, have another contest after this one? Yeah, it's it's a Dave Philp singing contest. No, we want just a contest for a new co-host. <laughs> yeah, the new co-host of Music Biz 101 and more. I've clearly exactly. been kicked out of the catbird seat. Are you pushing for Carrie to get that job? Right? I have been Apparently. moving over seats. Right now, yes. <laughs> Yeah. I think that's it. I moved out of the corner. I think I'm being that's promoted. Right. That's right. Yeah, Car- Carrie's getting much closer to me than than is actually comfortable for me, and so that's that's not working out well for me so far. But we will see if I'm back next week or not. And next week, our guest again is Al Cohen of ACM Records. We're here, Music Biz 101 and more. Uh, you can tweet us right now at Music Biz 101 WP. We have our producer Philip Gorlkovsky, our student co-host, MBA in training, Carrie Keller. We have Paul Sinclair, uh, head of digital and e-commerce at Atlantic Records. You can find him on Twitter, at Spinclair with a C-L-A-I-R. No E. It's so silent, it's not even there. And then, of course, we have our wonderful, fabulous major league host here, Steve Marconi. But you can just call him the doctor. My thank you. Yes. So we're back, and we're going to take your tweets in a moment. And we do want to give some love, which we'll do shortly. We've been talking about... Taylor Swift, and most of your tweets, your tweet questions this week have been about Taylor Swift pulling her content from Spotify. But my first question for you, Paul, if you could please pay attention to me instead of looking at your stupid well, someone phone. Just, someone just followed me on Twitter a second ago a who and followed is tweeting you? at me. Um, is the person Devana? who won the two tickets last week. We oh, Devana, so Devana someone is yeah, listening. Yeah, we have so we have, our listen, we have our listener. Yes. Thank listening. you, Devana. Thank yes. you for, for listening very much. You will get an A in my class. So, <laughs> so um, we have brought up about Taylor Swift. We keep saying Taylor Swift pulled herself from Spotify. Taylor, 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 Taylor. My question for you is, as you are the, the big data man and understanding that data, is, data isn't data, data is the insight that you have mm-hmm. into that, the thought that is provoked v- via this data. Yep. 
Mm-hmm. When Taylor Swift pulls her catalog from, from Spotify, it's not her in a vacuum doing it herself. She has other people who are giving her this information, I assume. And she's not the one. I also assume, even though she's one of the biggest artists in the world, maybe the top two or three artists in the world, arguably, does she have the power? We don't have a contract. Does she have the power to just pull it by herself? So my first question to you, it's a multi-parter, is really who would be making this decision with her? And if they were making that decision, what is the data? What is the information they would be looking at to make an informed decision that ultimately would provide the most revenue for this artist in the near future and then going down the line? Okay. Even that was multi-part. Um, so let's presume that she is – not that left sets is correct and she is not or wrong Let, let's presume she is not just doing this for um philo- philosophical or something else right that she's doing this because she wants to increase her sales right which i think everyone in this room would agree the sales are lo- very likely higher because she is not giving her album away on a hundred other places which worked right? for beyonce last right. year when right. she did the same thing so if we presume that's true, they're they're looking at some historical data. They're looking at sales data from the last couple of albums. They're looking at uh, what was streaming at the time, all the streaming services. I don't remember when her last album was. I think it was 2012, and I think there was one in like 2010. Red, I think that's Red true. Red was 2012, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think and and I think the uh, the one um, Fearless or something like that was 2010. So she has some data while the streaming services have been around, and she has data around how you know what happened with. Uh, YouTube being live and my sales. What happened with YouTube plus streaming services growing in America and other places, especially probably Sweden and a couple other um, European territories and my sales. What she doesn't have, because we've done tons of analysis around this for other artists who have debated this point, is she doesn't have the answer. There isn't. We don't have the answer, right? So when we argue against pulling your stuff off of Spotify and or other services, we are arguing from the most data we have around, hey, if you take it down, we don't know if it will go up or down because truly we don't know. We don't have the answer. But what we do know is that piracy does go up when your stuff is not available in a place that people are trying to get get it from, right? So we, we sell, my guess is that her sales are higher because it's not easily streamable. But I also think she's hurting herself in a bunch of other ways around consumer reaction and pulling stuff out of people's playlists and all that other stuff. So anyway... It, well, that, that's your, an intangible, and my right. question is, so can, you build, the, can you build that intangible right. into it? Um, is there any way to, to add that into an algorithm? So, so there is. I, I, I'm quite sure that we will have conversations with Spotify. So Spotify is very data-driven, right, because um, they're a technology company with data scientists in the building. And they are going to, I'm sure, walk into her label, plus Universal, and probably all the other labels, and show data that says, we have data that says, when an artist is not – so windowing, right? Because lots of artists want to window. Mm-hmm. When an artist is not li- does not live on the streaming service on street date and they wait, say, 90 days and they miss all of the other marketing that we do around the album, right? Lots of things happen around an album coming out, radio, airplay, and tour announcements and all kinds of other stuff. When they, when they miss that moment, less people add it to their playlist – Right. And a lot of the plays come from people having it on their playlist and then they just get into the habit because it's on their running, running playlist, their workout playlist, their weekend playlist. And they have a lot of data that says over some relatively short now, but historical period of time, two years, three years, whatever data we have, that you never regain that. Right. So if you miss that initial window, you stream fewer, fewer 
streams, plays, whatever, um, forever, right? And forever being the amount of data they have, which is only a few years, right? So the 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 the, the line is now significantly lower than it would have been had you grabbed that moment in time. So Taylor's camp would know this because this is a thing that Spotify's talked a lot about, and they will have decided. Ultimately, we think there's a lot more value in selling a lot more albums up front than there is in that long tail of the next bunch of years. That's the decision they were making because I'm sure they had that info. Well, also that, it, that well, answer your question. It, and yeah. you can kind of understand that from the time value of money, a dollar. I don't know the full cliche. A dollar mm-hmm. in hand today mm-hmm. is worth more than a dollar. Five years from now, Correct. just because I can take that dollar and invest it multiple ways, and Correct. five years it'll be worth Correct. five dollars instead of just the one dollar I get Correct. then. Um, let me ask you though, as as you're talking about that, you, you by the way, you're presuming that you're going to get the do- more of the dollar up front, right? You're making the presumption that that the having it live on streaming services drags down the value that you'll get today. In Taylor's case, it's probably true. With lots of other artists, you can argue that. Um, if if you're not Taylor Swift, that actually there are a lot of your fans aren't going to this new fans aren't going to discover you, right? Taylor's probably saturated the entire planet at this point, but most other artists are missing Carrie, who probably streams on one of the services. I'm just guessing, right? Um, and so the fact that if she's not on a streaming service and she's only in Target, and if Carrie no longer buys CDs, which I don't know if that's true or not. Um, she will never know about Artist X. And not just developing artists, right? Some big-ish but not yet Taylor Swift artist. So you miss out on all the people that would have found you because they're not buying music anymore because they're paying $120 a year and now no longer discover, right? Because they just, they just move on. There's How many artists on Spotify? 30 million artists? There's just another thing to listen to. Now what about bringing up playlists? Which is you're, you're t- if we're talking about the culture of Spotify, mm-hmm. which is it, very playlist driven, versus the culture of YouTube, mm-hmm. which would you say is more playlist driven? I say that because she didn't pull off of YouTube, and YouTube, like Spotify, is an on-demand yeah. uh, streaming service. Yeah. I, I, I talked to Chris Butler of the Waitresses, who's going to be a guest in a couple weeks. Yeah. We were going back and forth on Spotify. He likes the YouTube model because mm-hmm. he's he apparently is a songwriter. No. And again, Taylor Swift is both a songwriter and a performer. So she's looking at this from songwriting revenue and also yeah. performance revenue as opposed to somebody like Miley Cyrus yeah. who doesn't write her songs but is more of a performer. So she's looking at one revenue stream and says Taylor Swift is getting two revenue streams from every song. Mm-hmm. So um, Chris Butler as writer and performer liked the ad revenue model that he was getting off of YouTube mm-hmm. more than I guess what he's getting from Spotify. So I guess at the moment that He's getting more money from YouTube. Do you know about that? And also back to the original question, which was uh, the playlist culture. Is Spotify more playlist driven than YouTube, would you say? So uh, let's take the last thing first. So um, Spotify is definitely more playlist driven. YouTube is search driven and it's algorithmically. Here's the next thing you should listen to driven. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Playlisting is something that's important to YouTube, but it's not. I don't in my experience. It's not the thing that people do on YouTube all day long. Um yeah, there could be a different world where YouTube tries to fix that, but right now it's a search-driven and a, hey, check out this link-driven and a, here's the next cat video thing to watch thing, right? Um, the first question, so so my guess is that one of the things that's going on, well, two things. One thing is YouTube has a billion-plus people on it, and Spotify has 40 million or so people on it, right? So... 
Um, if you presume that YouTube's revenues, let's pretend for a moment that they're, you know, not revenue, but the payout per song, right, per stream, per play. Let's just pretend that it's twice as much. Well, if there's a billion people on one and 40 million on the other, I'm presuming you're going to get a bigger check from the bigger one than the smaller one, even if it pays half as much, right? And that's, I'm just making up fake numbers here. Right. Um, but so the that's, theory makes right? sense, right? yes. Well, and maybe... so, so that would make, if you were an artist getting, and you were looking for money, you would presume that you'd want the one that was paying you more money. The other thing is, the streaming services are newer. There's lags, all kinds of lags in payment, right, to artists between it coming to the labels, the labels then paying it out, royalty system. Mm-hmm. There's all kinds of known lags in the world, right, that everyone knows about, that everyone complains about, um, that, you know, need to get sorted out in the new technology era. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of that, I'm guessing there's also, he's seeing money from YouTube that's been, right, YouTube has been around mm-hmm. since 2006, and Spotify's been around in the U.S. for two and a half years something or something like that. Like yeah. that. Um, so I'm guessing that's a piece of it, too. Um, for better or for worse. But then if you're looking at it that way, too, if you're looking at it as there's a bigger audience on YouTube then, too, couldn't you almost say maybe because there's a bigger audience on there, if she leaves her songs on there, there might that might correlate with her album sales? All right. so, well, so let's get to the... So the heart of your question was around what Carrie just brought up, right? It was really like, hey, if I, I'm leaving my stuff, I'm telling her I'm leaving my stuff on YouTube and not and taking it down to other places. So I've heard from other artists, right, other artists who have thought about not being on, on streaming services that they think you, uh, um, YouTube is supportive and not um, substitutional. I think part of that comes from the music video aspect, right? They believe that the visual helps them sell singles mm-hmm. um, and, they, and the other services don't. Certainly, we see YouTube driving some sales on iTunes. There's some, right? There's some truth to that. Um, however, what I've noticed, I was I was looking for Taylor last night or this morning, and what I noticed was I could not find lots of play UGC created playlists of her album. It was very hard to find. So, and when I found them, they often had third, fifth, and ninth track as not on there anymore. Meaning somebody's actively taking stuff off down off YouTube. Mm-hmm. That's I'm just guessing. I don't know that for sure, but just in some searching on YouTube, I noticed that she is on YouTube, but her whole album's not up there, as best I can tell. And if it is, is up there is UGC. Vivo hasn't put it up there. She hasn't put it up there. UGC right. meaning user generated user generated content, content right? Yeah, okay. So people are uploading songs, and then fans are then cobbling those together into a playlist, which equates to our album. But she hasn't put it up there. So the stuff that she's put up there are a single or two or three, whatever she's uploaded, as I'm guessing videos or lyrics videos. And then people are trying to take that and make it into an album playlist on YouTube. And it seems to me like somebody's also on YouTube taking down some of that content because I keep finding broken playlists. Which I can, me, meaning that she's it's not like she's left it up on YouTube. It's, which I can imagine we're talking about Spotify that our friends at Vivo are probably not extremely happy with that as well because all those songs would be going up on Vivo and Vivo makes right. 100% of their revenue from right. advertising supported right. content. And if one of the top on-demand videos right now, a number of them aren't up, that's hurting Vivo from what they probably expected they were going to be getting in the fourth quarter. But but again, knowing that, I mean, I do know her, her single's still up there and mm-hmm. I'm guessing a couple of her singles are up there from the new album. Um, it's just not her whole album, mm-hmm. right? So... So it doesn't directly correlate to leaving leaving it up on YouTube and taking it down on Spotify because it's. I find it more interesting that she's not. She took everything off Spotify 
and she there's still stuff on YouTube, and she also has everything except the new album up on the other streaming, some of the other streaming services. I didn't check them all, but I checked a couple. Um, and I think that that was an interesting move, that she left it up and just made Spotify the one where it's down. Which Because so, it's obviously the biggest. Yeah. Right? So, that's so, our so Carrie's question. question. Is, yes. It's, you know, do you think that Spotify is just like the whipping boy? Hmm. Um, I'm not going to use that term, but I, they're certainly <laughs> they are certainly taking the brunt of this from yeah. every, yes. The answer is yes, right? Because again, she's the, the catalog's up on. I mean, I was on RDO a few minutes ago, and her catalog's on RDO. And maybe t- maybe they forgot. That's possible, I guess. Doesn't <laughs> seem that likely. <laughs> well, but maybe they forgot. I mean, Danek has been the yeah, you know, the person that has that they say has ruined the record business single-handedly. He's the CEO of Spotify. But, you know, in general, she's defying basic economics. Because basic economics, because she doesn't like the price mm-hmm. that you're, that the, the money that's being generated from Spotify. But basic economics says it's supply and demand. It's what the market will bear, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera even though the rates, some of the rates are statutory and so on and so forth, she's sort of defying the, like you said half hour ago, the next generation yeah. of this business. Right. She and, and she can because she's a very rare individual yeah. who, when you take your... When you take your music off online, her fans will go buy it because exactly. she has very passionate fans. Yes. It, it will be interesting to look back on this three years from now and see how it plays out over streaming in the long term. And mm-hmm. um, it'll be very interesting to see how it plays out. And also with Spotify's graph that shows that she'll naturally then always be lower, which not only do I believe it because I've seen the data, but I also believe it because if you just think about yourself, if there's a... If you know about an album or a song and you can't find it, you just, you know, right, you move on. And there's a reasonable chance you're not going to go look for it later. Now, maybe that changes for Taylor Swift, but I'm guessing some percentage of people, when they can't find it, won't go find it later. No, the data, the long tail data shows that if they can't find it, they don't go looking for it. I feel like there's some deja vu here almost because I feel like we had... People are saying the same thing about Steve Jobs when iTunes came out, saying that he broke the record mm-hmm. business. Yeah. I mean, isn't I feel like right. there's so because much. It was a flat price, yeah, I, th- yeah. I think that statement thing. statement is true. That Danek has yes, he's changed the point of purchase mm-hmm. of music with Spotify and with any other of these streaming servers. And it's not that he's ended the point of purchase. Mm-hmm. It's just an entirely different business model. It's a subscription <laughs> business model or ad generated business model. Whatever. Well, and he didn't make it up, right? This is a thing that, right, consumers raised their hand and said, I want music consumption in a different way. I want it easier. I want it um, on my mobile device. Mm-hmm. I want a, I want to pay less for it, right? I want, I want it free, right, mm-hmm. was a thing for a whole bunch of years. And so his uh, the first time I spoke with him, he, that was his selling point was, Everyone wants it for free. Therefore, if this is going to work, we need to make it easier than free and un- affordable enough that people are going to you know, jump in. And mm-hmm. then it, it will work if it scales, if lots and lots of people think this is a great experience and a great price point. Mm-hmm. And so the, it won't work if it stays at 40 million people globally, right? Nobody believes that that model is going to work. It mm-hmm. needs to keep growing. 
And so that's why I go back to the artist holding back doesn't help the thing. Mm-hmm. And and there was a big um, a big PowerPoint on digital music news. Does anyone read this site? Yes, there was I a did. PowerPoint yesterday. Took us through all the like all the here's what's wrong with streaming mm-hmm. and sure. all the comments in the in, at the bottom where which is the whole thing that I kept thinking as I was reading it. Well, what, so what what are you suggesting? You're not suggesting anything. You're saying that streaming doesn't work. What's the alternative? Mm-hmm. Because the alternative is something like, I'm just guessing this is one alternative, everything goes to free and then somebody that, that's smarter than all of us has to figure out what to do with that. Then it becomes like a data play maybe. But who wants their music listening experience to be taken over by robots and data analysis, true data analysis, right, where you're like being all your experiences are being sold out to people and mm-hmm. um anyway so I, I just i haven't heard a like what what's the alternative to streaming mm-hmm. we uh need to switch gears just a little bit because we're this is we could probably go on further but we do have a lot of tweets and uh cool. the number one tweet question of the week has been all about taylor swift and spotify but the number two has been all about Atlantic Records and internships. And there's a great question that Carrie's going to read for you now. So Jasmine Henry at Henry J. Perk asked, what are some things you've seen awesome, in Hmm. all caps, interns do? What qualities and skills really stand out to you? Hmm. Um, Absolutely. uh, So here's some really easy things. Nice people. Um, someone that comes across as excited and energetic and motivated um, without being totally over the top. Um, someone that can talk about, as we were discussing earlier, the the ad thing that you're doing. Someone can talk about um, something that's not just the I love music, right? Something that's a little bit deeper than 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 um, just I love music and I love Taylor Swift. Um, uh, I'm trying to think of. So, is this to get an internship or while you're there? I think it's just while you're right. there. So, I think you, yeah. people people sometimes walk in with creative ideas. Hey, I heard you. I heard you and someone else talking about um, Wiz Khalifa and this idea. I'm a big Wiz Khalifa fan. Here's a thing that I thought of that I would really think is really cool. Um, that happens sometimes, and those are interns that absolutely I always remember. Someone that has. Not only has an idea, but is not afraid at all to to put their hand up. Mm-hmm. One of the things we encourage is interns to come to our brainstorming sessions, and the ones that just listen and and you know probably get something out of it, but I don't get anything out of it, and I don't remember anything about them. The ones that are actively participate and throw in ideas, even if they're ideas that may not make sense at the moment, are people that I remember. So that's kind of vague, but things like that. Um, it's Jasmine to a T. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But that's just, uh, it's the same as, as Marconi and I are both professors, yeah. and it's like that when we teach. Yeah. Yeah. You have a room of 30 yeah. people, and they're all learning about the music business. You remember the ones who are raising their hand and talking, yeah. and they're have always great, those, They're excited. Yeah. They have a great attitude, yeah. right? I mean, that's the that's the number one thing is you want to people that, that talk back to you and, and give you a feeling that they're passionate about it. And it's hard to, to teach somebody to be unlike who they really are. Yeah. You know, not everybody is that type A personality. Not everybody has the um, the self-confidence to, yeah. to speak up like that. And it's in a, in a situation right. like this, that's something that they can hopefully learn yeah, that exactly. they need to do if they want And we're to. not talking about root canals. I mean, we're talking yeah. about the arts yeah. and you should have a passion yeah. for this and let it out. And, and, so, and sometimes, right, the room of brainstorming isn't the way because not everyone is ready for that, especially mm-hmm. not at 19 or 20 or 21. But um, 
there's a way to do it. Grab that person in the hall. Like, hey, I had this idea, right? We've had plenty of interns that are quiet. Um, I actually, one of my favorite interns from the last probably 12 months is someone that I'm now staying in touch with often that I'm trying to connect you with, mm-hmm. who's somewhat quiet, but had a bunch of great ideas and just whispered them to me often. Mm-hmm. And that mm-hmm. was good enough for me. Because mm-hmm. um, I've remembered this person's thoughtful, this person's passionate, this person's smart. I'm going to remember them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The next question that Carrie's going to ask is... Uh, Specific, but also uh, Mel uh, Passler also tweeted something similar to this. All right. So Jimmy Chimento at Fast Jimmy C asks, what are your thoughts on Tidal in comparison with Spotify? And where do you see the future of streaming going? Hmm, interesting. So mm-hmm. uh, Dr. Marconi and I were talking about Tidal a few minutes ago. So Tidal, for those that don't know, which is probably most people, um, Tidal is a service that launched, I believe, yesterday, over the last few days, this week sometime. And it's a high-def um, streaming service. So it's high-quality streaming. It's $20 a month or so. Mm-hmm. Um so I'll give you my uh, – I listened to it for about 10 seconds because someone had it on in their office. I don't yet have an account. Um, and I was listening to a song, and it sounded great, and I could actually hear the difference in a snare drum. Um, we played it on one streaming service, and then we played it on Tidal, and I could actually hear the compression. You could hear the difference, and I'm not an audio engineer, um, and I'm not even an audiophile. It just the, it sounded bigger and brighter and beautiful. And Was it stereo speakers that um, were coming at or were, just a computer? They were stereo speakers, but they weren't high quality. They were just mm-hmm. stereo speakers. And you could tell, right? still tell the difference. You could tell it was different. They were, it was, this wasn't our like, you know, A&R listening room. This was just somebody's office. Um, that said, I don't know if you can hear the difference on headphones, and I'm guessing that you can't, and especially not um, free white iPod right, headphones or uh, whatever people, Earpods, I guess people points. don't buy iPhone, iPods anymore. Um, so I think it's a niche product. Um, I hope it's not a niche product because I love the, I think music should sound better, not worse. Um, but I think at least in the near future, the you know there there's a service called um uh what's it called what's the high def uh, service called Pono uh, no not Pono oh, okay. uh, these are uh, the highest def too no there's a there's a download service that I'm blanking on the name right now called uh, Love Sets is written about um, that H tracks H tracks HD tracks HD tracks mm-hmm. and it's great service and people right and that's a small niche group of people and then I'm guessing that the group of people who want high-def stuff and also want to stream it rather than owning the high-def FLAC files or whatever is even smaller at the moment. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping that over time with people, you know, Beats continuing to push, like, better quality than the little white earbuds things, like, over time people start to understand that great-sounding music is better than really super compressed music. Um, that's, That's my answer. All right. Jimmy and Dre, I love you for that answer. (laughs) Um, About two minutes left, so real rapid response, uh, 140 characters per question. Jeanette Elizabeth at Jeanette E. Music, what is currently the most effective way to promote new artists? Uh, I can't answer that in 140 characters. (laughs) Uh, 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 Do many, many different things and try to learn from each one. That's that's all I got. The artist has to engage all the time. Fair enough. <laughs> Mike Womack at Womack Mike, what's the best advice you've reserved that has helped you further your career? And from whom did it come? Uh, 
Um, Julie Greenwald taught me that uh, being fearless is uh, one of the most important things you can be in the music industry. Don't be afraid to try crazy things. and Don't be afraid to say what you uh, need to say, regardless of what you think people, how people will react. Um, and then someone um, in college taught me to be optimistic um, no matter what's going on. Always be optimistic about, about the future. Last question. So, Soulful at Soul Pact. Hey, Spin Claire. As an alternative option to an internship, are students allowed to come in and volunteer slash shadow someone? Hmm. So, uh, I don't know that that's an official program at Atlantic, um, but I've certainly met with people and I've done things sort of kind of like that but there's not an official program that's all about connecting with the right person all right and it, yeah. tonight you guys have been connecting with the right person because you've been listening to music biz 101 and more with our special guest Paul Sinclair head of digital at Atlantic Records thank you Paul hey. also the expert in residence for the music business program here at William Patterson University so one more clap for you Paul for that we want to thank all the tweets. Jake, we didn't get to you, or Cole, or Tim, or Caitlin, or Jess, or Ryko, or Devin, and more. Thank you so much for all of the tweets. Uh, we want to thank Carrie, uh, Carrie Keller for being here as our mm-hmm. MBA in training. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you. We want to thank our producer, Philip Gorkowski, for being here and doing an awesome job and for providing the spit guard. We want to thank Ryan Sinisi for sitting in and not saying one word during the entire time. Thank you, Ryan. And, of course, we want to thank Dr. Steve Marconi for being incredibly good-looking. And Dr. David (laughs) Kirk. You got promoted again. I've been promoted. I'm suddenly a doctor. About half an hour ago, I was going to get kicked off, and now I'm Not necessarily an academic doctor. (laughs) So we want to thank you. Music Biz 101 and More is a production of WPSC, Brave New Radio 88.7 on the FM dial. You can find us at William Patterson University. Every week, tweet us at Music Biz 101 WP. I am the Dr. Professor David Kirk Phillips. Next week, Al Cohen of ACM Records. At this time, we would take, take the opportunity to say, Hey!